The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're watching Pulp Fiction as it turns 25 years old. What? Yes, time is passing rapidly by for all of us. Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, making her second appearance, it's Anna Sheehy. Hey. How you been? Even better than before. That's fantastic. Uh, last time you were on, you were watching Calamity Jane, uh, and now you're going for another film about uh, violent Americans in Pulp Fiction. I assume. I have so few preconceived notions of this film, I'm really excited. What do you know about Pulp Fiction? It has, there's a lady who wears a white shirt and she has a bob, and lots of people dress up as her for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then there's that bit about, did he look like a bitch? And that's it. That's, I mean, to be fair, uh, that's, that's pretty that's much the film. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's really it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so aside from uh, Bobs and Bitches, what are you expecting from this film? Um, it is Quentin Tarantino, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, violence, I guess. I've watched a number of his other films. Mm. That's probably it. Uh, well, joining us to let us know if there is indeed violence is uh, Luke Jago, everybody. Hey, Steve, you bad motherfucker. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, man. No, it's, yeah. uh, it's all good. Um, you have seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah, many times, yeah. Um, I, I suppose Bob's yes, bitches yes, violence yes. Uh, but yeah. in a vague and non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like Anna, who haven't seen the film, uh, what can they anticipate before they start watching well, this? Well, when I heard what you've just said about what you know about it i'm just not going to say anything and <laughs> you just jump in and and uh yeah i want you to be as surprised as you can because uh, i think it's pretty rare treat that um you can just jump into a tarantino film without without really knowing much at all so i'm really excited to see your first reactions as well so i'm not going to say a thing all right and uh, just in general regarding uh tarantino films because uh, i imagine you would have seen most if not all of them yeah um, in your personal sort of, I guess, list, where 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 was Pulp Fiction? Look, it's it's hard. I have two phases of Tarantino, like mm. before Jackie Brown and after Jackie Brown. Mm. I guess you know when the and the Kill Bill films are kind of right in the middle of that. Yeah, uh, it's when he really started to mature as a visual stylist. In my, you know, in my opinion, and uh, do the whole historical thing and you know messing with history and that sort of stuff. But um, I mean, Pulp Fiction, it's still like you know the ultimate for me it's the favorite i mean it's his second film and it still remains as one of my favorites that i can always come back to because it's just always you know it's just full of great scenes you know that just work on their own you know regardless of their context you know so uh it's it's way up there mm. it's it's up there yeah with um with most of them and i love all of them you know i, I really do so mm. all right well yeah. that with all that being said 
shall we watch the film? Let's do yes. it. All right, for those of you uh, listening at home, pop in your DVDs and heat up those royals with cheese as we watch <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Pulp Fiction. And by we, I of course mean Anna Sheehy. Ahoy. And Luke Jago. Hello. So, Anna, that was your first time watching Pulp Fiction. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. It uh, wasn't at all what I expected, I think, uh, chronologically, if that makes sense. I mm. just sort of assumed it would be a very linear storyline. Mm. given the other Quentin Tarantino films I've watched. So I was sort of sitting there waiting for things to develop in a way that they didn't develop, which was really interesting mm. um, and engaging. Uh, and there's way less violence than I thought there would be. It is surprisingly not not, not tame, but... Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, there's, it's some, there's some moments, but it's not as like consistent as I feel like some of his other films yeah. I've watched well, have been, where it's like... Mm. Certainly compared to something like uh, The one that comes to mind for me is Django Unchained Yeah, yeah. It feels as though my memory of that Is that there's a lot of like Shootouts the and actual, like that The actual physical effects are like You know deliberately over the top and bloody yeah. And mm. so much more blood Whereas this it's, it is very pulled back isn't it Like just mm. the, the graphic nature of it is Yeah it's pretty pretty tame Comparatively mm. yeah um, But did you enjoy it I guess is the Is the main question yeah, I did. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I thought the writing was really, really good. Mm. Really funny. A lot funnier than I thought it might be. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the really, like, I guess, famous parts that I knew from, like, the internet or literally from, like, GIFs or, like, mm. moments yeah. that I John knew. John Travolta walk, looking yeah. around. I yeah, John that. Travolta <laughs> looking around. Um, the dancing mm. at um, Jackrabbit Rad- Jack Slims. Yep. And the, you know... Do, do, do look like a bitch moment we're all actually quite early on in the film mm. and normally like you would expect those most famous parts to be the build-up like mm. the crescendo yeah. and so all the bits i sort of thought i knew were really early on and then the rest was just a really cool surprise but chronologically speaking would those points if you put this film in its chronological order would those points be towards the climax the of end. the film yeah, I guess I don't know. Does he do? I, does he look like a bitch? I mean, that would have been before the all the head blown off, and then the whole diner scene. But that would chronologically would have been yeah towards the end. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean that 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 break up of the film into these different pieces where it is um, not presented in the order that events happen. Um, it's it is the unique selling point of this film. Yeah, and um, how how was it revisiting that for you, Luke? Oh, it's great. I mean, I, look, I've probably watched this movie at least once every couple of years anyway, so it's always on on my list just to even just to show people that haven't seen it or just watch it on my own again just because I love it. Mm. Sparkling dialogue and the mm. fun violence and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we all know that this, you know, Tarantino was kind of a pioneer of making that whole... Uh, non-linear structure kind of popular i mm. guess and there was a lot of copies of of that style after yeah. this movie especially I mean, in the 90s one so. that comes to mind is uh, memento by well, Nolan, which arguably yeah. is i mean it's not in a chronological order but it makes sense in the story why you see events uh, not in chronological order yeah. Um, whereas this film, I don't think there is a particular rhyme or reason for it, other than it's no, an no. interesting it's storytelling. Just, yeah, mechanic. it's just interesting. It's a, mm. it's just seeing how it's all going to come together, and that's part of the enjoyment and the pleasure of of the film. Yeah. Do you think then, um, 
that this film would not be as strong were it presented in a traditional chronological format. So Pro- if we start, yeah, if we started with, um, well, I suppose technically we'd start with Christopher Walken talking about having the gold yeah. watch up his ass yeah, if yeah. we went fully <laughs> chronological. Yeah. Um, what a beginning. That would be an interesting would structure, be, yeah. wouldn't it? And then yeah. you You'd be to... waiting the entire time to be like, how is this pivotal? Are we going to yeah. meet like, other people who've done mm. this? Is this a war straight, movie? You'd go straight. To, I mean, that gold, whole gold watch story would be the first thing, wouldn't it? And mm. then, um, Well, although... The end of that well, no, story. Well, no, no, because he killed... Yeah, exactly. So you'd have film. all the other stuff. So what you would that, have yeah. is you would have stuff like the date between uh, Vince and Maya Wallace would yeah. be happening like concurrently with stuff like maybe the fight uh, happening yeah. and things like that. It just... Mm. Yeah, I, I think revisiting this film, because it's the first time in about 10 years that I've watched this. Yeah, right. I, I don't know that it's as good as I remember it. It's good. And like you say, the dialogue mm. is sparkling. But there's a whole bit in the middle that I just completely had forgotten how long it was. Yeah, um, right. Like the sequence where um, Butch has... With Bruce and his girlfriend. Yeah, is with yeah. Um, um, his his wife uh, or partner. It's not, oh, not actually specified. I don't know. Um, but, you know, they're in the motel and we see him, you know, like, you know, they cuddle and then he has yeah. a shower. They talk. They talk. And then he remembers the gold watch. Yeah. Is, or finds the gold watch isn't there. Yeah. Um. I really don't remember it being that long. Yeah. And I, I get why it's there. But I, I, I don't know. How did you how did you feel those scenes, um, Anna? Um they drag a bit or uh, not so much. I feel like the whole the whole like gold watch section hmm. and I'd have to think about it a bit more because obviously everything's just happened, so it's all yeah. sort of aligning in my head. But I feel like you could pull that entire section out and apart from that one time we see him in the bar with Marcellus just before Vincent comes back to talk to him. none of that would actually matter would Mm. it like Mm. i i liked it i really liked that storyline and Mm. it's obviously really interesting but it is almost completely separate from everything else that happens yeah i mean is it like but but he does kill vincent like oh of course yes that's the thing that's the main thing isn't it so although and then ends up hanging out with yeah given that's the i guess the sort of the point of the whole thing and also hmm it, I guess we get yeah. to see Marcellus for the first time, really, as a character, yeah, uh, yeah. rather than just sort of hanging out. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was head. it was slow, but it was sort of interesting because mm. it felt like, well, where's this going then? Yeah. At least for me, not knowing what was going to happen, that's what I was there was the yeah, anticipation was just like, where does this actually fit into the whole thing? That's gonna yeah, like pop like, off. that yeah. penny drop? Oh, the watch. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's yeah. that's what that's what we're doing. And I didn't now. expect yeah. the thing with Vincent at all. I just yeah. assumed that he would die, and then. Something mm. else would happen with maybe Fabienne or something. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing is, I, I was curious to know whether or not that read, because sitting there knowing he's got to discover that the watch isn't there and go to the apartment and shoot Vincent and make the Pop-Tarts and whatever he does. Um, I did find myself sitting there a little bit going, really all right, slow. all right, come on, we get it. There's this relationship. And I you're found that it. on repeat viewings. Well, see, I was yeah, just waiting like, for yeah. Jules and Vincent to rock up at that motel that evening. Like yeah. someone to have followed him already. Yeah. Like for things to go bad almost immediately. So yeah. I was just waiting for that. I mean, so there's that tension there. And that, that is something that this film uses really, really well, um, is, is the tension. And you, it, it's really enjoyable as a viewer, um, yeah. even having seen it, like the bits where he's going up to the... To his apartment and he's like sneaking through the chain. It's great, isn't it? Great. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I love all the camera work and the long mm. steady cam shots and you know just the no music and just the ambience of the mm. streets and the kids playing and yeah, following him and I love all that stuff. Yeah. And it's, it is really tense. It is because yeah. you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, you hear this mum go, "Come on, you're late for school," and he's yeah. thinking, "Is someone about to blow my head off?" As I 
enter the apartment. Yeah, I mean, that's why it was great watching mm. it with, with Anna, who hadn't seen it, because I get all those feelings again, like, mm. you know, she doesn't know what's going to happen next, and is that playing well for me, you know, mm. vicariously? And it, it really does. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really ahead of its time. That's the only thing for me, revisiting it, that I felt was a bit of a letdown. Like, yeah, the rest of it is sparklingly spectacular. This is... It, the dialogue is the thing that really mm. you know, is what Tarantino is famous yeah. for. Um, but visually as well, it is visually so very interesting, beautifully shot, and yeah. lit. You know, and they're not in pretty thing. environments a lot of the time. No. Like when they go to to Brett's apartment and they're they're yeah. walking in those corridors beforehand and talking about you don't touch a man a man's wife's feet. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Like that conversation, <laughs> yeah. that's just in a kind of rundown, crappy looking apartment complex. But it's shot really it's interestingly. Yeah, mm. just the steady cam, mm. the slow pace, the just the lighting spilling in from other d- doorways and stairways, and mm. yeah, it's really nice to look at. And you know, seeing it in you know high definition and you know on a big screen, you can really appreciate it. For, mm. You know, when I first saw it, it was probably on VHS. You know, mm. like yeah. <laughs> when I was twelve. You know, mm. um, yeah. So yeah, you get to. Uh, yeah, I forgot how beautiful it looked, you know, and, and it holds up with anything that he's done lately, mm. I think, yeah. Um, so the film starts with a scene where we see uh, Honey Bun and Pumpkin. Honey Bunny. Um, or that's what they call each other, yeah. at least. Uh, Yolanda and Ringo, yeah. uh, as they also get named. <laughs> nicknames him Ringo. Yeah. Because he's English. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I think that what's really interesting uh, about that scene is that almost feels as though it's preparing you for what you're about to watch which is 90% of that scene in this film is people just kind of chatting about stuff that they thought about and then all of a sudden the threat of violence and tension happens where they're like mm. we could rob a restaurant let's rob this restaurant okay yeah. anybody moves and oh, let's execute every motherfucking last one of you which <laughs> yeah, is just great. I love the viciousness with which that line yeah. is delivered Amanda Plummer is just off the hook she moves straight into it like, yeah. she's so it's, good it's just absolute 100% commitment as, mm. as a, someone who works in improv I really appreciate that <laughs> um, but, but, but I, I, that scene is really interesting because you the film is not short and i even on a rewatching, knowing that the diner scene is coming up had forgotten about those characters for quite a bit of it i found yeah it's, and it's a great i didn't start tool. thinking about them again until um yeah probably maybe well you a probably saw when you end. saw jules and vincent uh, no, I, I thought about them briefly before and I was just wondering, oh, are they just sort of setting the tone of the film? Yeah. Like, welcome to LA. It's, like it's a, a wild mask. town. Yeah. Don't worry. Little written um, scene, little Tarantino. Or if they actually scene. were going to loop back in. I think as soon as they started doing some like real, as soon as Quentin Tarantino started reorganizing it time-wise, I was mm. like, oh, okay, this could actually be relevant to something yeah. I haven't even seen yet or has like previously happened. Yeah. Mm. And the thing that is interesting though, because obviously it's the very start scene and it's the very end scene of the film with them, is that that, is a really interesting scene to pick as the climax mm. of, yeah. of your of your watching experience because the the true climax chronologically speaking is Bruce Willis with a sword fighting the rapists um, in the in the cellar. That's that's mm. because then that's where the story ends. Yeah. He gets Zed's bike. He gets Fabian out of town, and that's that's where the the narrative where the timeline ends as well yeah and the way that shot as well and where they ride off that almost does feel like the end end. of a traditional film what about i i guess what i'm curious is um whether or not you felt that this particular scene which is a scene of high tension but non-violence um between jules Mm. and vince and And um, honeybun and ringo um you know about I, I guess how how did it feel as as a climactic scene to to our first time viewer? 
really enjoyed it. I think the only thing that left me wanting a little more, but I think again, maybe on a rewatch, I could put a bit more two and two together is Jules's journey. Mm. Cause obviously he's had this huge thing happen and he's convinced that he has to live life completely differently. Mm. And I did notice his absence from the movie. Like I saw, we were seeing a lot of Vincent and I really liked that character, but I was like, Vincent and Jules together were really fun and we're not really like seeing them again, but that's fine. And then it turns out that realistically he's quit mm. in that moment just after Bruce Willis leaves Marcellus. Mm. But Butch, that's his real yeah. character name. Butch leaves Marcellus saying he's rigging the game. They both come back. Vincent hugs Marcellus. And then I assume that's when Jules quits, but we yeah. don't see that because yeah. that would kind of ruin the whole the yeah. arc of the miracle part. Yeah. But I really enjoyed his character and I kind of would have liked to have seen that moment. But mm. apart from that, I think it was kind of sweet. Mm. It's like, <laughs> you know, you don't even think about Vincent being dead in that moment. Yeah. You're just like, oh, and they left together. It's and so funny how when, when that happened and you were like, oh, yeah. I, I liked him. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, but Bruce Willis, you know, he, mm. he was going to kill him. And you're like, I liked him more than Butch. Yeah. yeah. Well, Butch yeah. is a liar yeah. <laughs> and a thief. Yeah, but <laughs> And Vincent's a murderer, but yeah, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> in the storyline, you don't mm. see him be as dishonest. He talks about loyalty in the bathroom after he's gone out on that evening with Mia. And that's clearly something that's important to him. Yeah. yeah. So morally, he seems like a more upstanding character almost yeah i mean they are really interestingly written and and performed characters um i mean this was obviously the role which kind of brought john travolta back into the mainstream yeah was you know previously it was you know in 1993 people have been going oh remember that guy from from uh, saturday night fever and greece oh he's doing nothing now (laughs) flew off into the sky yeah Yeah. and then yeah all of a sudden boom that that was the appeal wasn't it just his comeback and Mm. just how fucking good he was yeah. in that role perfect he's, for him he's great and like there's there are so many alternate casting options on the IMDb oh, trivia sure there wow. is there but, always is yeah. but none of them like one of the ones that I saw was like James Gandolfini which yeah. would have been interesting yeah. but it wouldn't have been this Vince no. which I think is so important particularly with Vincent's relationship with Jules as well because you need to be able to go toe-to-toe with Samuel L. Jackson in an yeah. argument. And that's not easy. Um, and I, I, I just thought he's a, he is a fascinating character. Yeah, totally. maybe Maybe not somebody I want to hang around with. I'm not, you know. No, <laughs> he's a cool guy, but, he, you know, mm. he, he does get... You, he does get pissed off pretty quickly, doesn't yeah. he? Like, you say one thing, he's like, a please would be nice. He's yeah. very okay. careless around if guns. If you fucking... Okay, just, I'm, I'm in the red. Don't fucking <laughs> fuck with me because I'm about to motherfucking blow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, and yes, he is careless with guns. Yeah, he yes. tends to shoot people in the industry. face. It's his industry. It's his entire job, and yeah. he doesn't know what a safety is. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it was a long. He's been away for three years, getting high in Amsterdam. That's true. Yeah, maybe. he's back from his holiday. Yeah, mm. a bit wobbly. Forget, forget a little those bit. Things. You know, trying try to get back on. Yeah, uh, shut Marvin in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the most surprising moment of this film? Then was it Marvin getting his his head blown off, or was it one of the other depictions of graphic violence? I think you have to be honest. I think this scene with Marcellus in the basement, Mm. completely out of left field. I'd heard, I literally heard once from one person, um, weirdly, a lecturer in university, a friend of mine came out of a closet in a workshop and he was like, huh, like the gimp from Pulp Fiction. And we were like, what? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's a closet, whatever. And I hadn't watched the film. So I was just like... Cool, yep. dude. And now you know what he meant. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> so um, I've just I've never seen any reference to that before, and right. so that was just like a real tonal shift for me. It's, uh, it's I'm so glad that you knew nothing of these. Mm. I'm surprised how about, little I yeah, knew, honestly. Yeah. Given some of like the uh, like the colorfulness of things that happen, yeah. even just like stuff that would be like in, um, yeah, it would just look really cool visually 
for people to post online or whatever. Like things like my, the, the giant bloody car. Like that feels mm. like a very pivotal icon of the movie. Mm. N- never seen that before. It's like you saw it exactly how the audiences saw this movie when it first yeah, came I out. Yeah, I probably know less know than someone who watched the trailer back then. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. realistically. Well, I think yeah. the interesting thing as well uh, when you look at that is that I think that the thing that people share from this film is the dialogue. Yeah. Mm. It's like the Royale with cheese is more of a meme than the, the bloody car. Yeah, that's um, a good point. There are elements, you know, like, um, you know, obviously there's the excellent uh, Simpsons episode, the 22 stories yeah. in Springfield, where at one point two of the characters fight and end up in a gun shop and end up getting tied up and ball gagged in the same manner as Pulp Fiction. Wow. doesn't go any further with yeah, like, Gimsy or anything. Yeah, the Simpsons have got a but yeah. there, early there, time slot. Yeah, there, there were, um, you know, Simpsons did it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, um, I, I think it is because, because the way the language is used, like, and that whole scene with Jules with the guys that have Marcellus's case yeah. it that is such a, an iconic scene and because it comes so early in the film as well I almost feel as though those kind of standout elements mm. um, detract in a sort of um, cultural sharing sort of way from those moments like oh John Travolta got shot in the toilet or um, uh, or the, the bloody car or what happened in in the bottom of the gun shop with Zed and all yeah. that kind of business? I think it is interesting that what we latched onto was the the use of language mm. and and the performances because Samuel Jackson is on fire. He is absolutely fantastic. I mean, he he was already doing pretty good, but this movie sent him into the stratosphere, mm. and and then he was in he was in everything after mm. that. Yeah, and he's just so compelling. Yeah. Absolutely. So natural as well, though, mm-hmm. and just he the, the way he says the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not an easy thing just to rattle off dialogue and make it sound so natural yet so musical almost. Mm-hmm. And it's so much. You fun didn't pick to up on from. how um, natural everything had felt, and this is not a huge diss to Quentin Tarantino, but his self-insert character <laughs> did absolutely fine for the majority of it. But mm-hmm. there were just a few lines he read that it was like, "Oh, that's a little more stiff than mm, literally yeah. everyone else in this movie," which yeah. is incredible. Like kudos to everyone else yeah, um, yeah. and the script writing of course mm. I mean the, the, I, I, the self-insert director thing it's interesting <laughs> obviously you know Hitchcock did it a lot but he usually mm. was usually just walking a dog like yeah. he was like don't have to say anything this is fine <laughs> um, I, I agree I think Quentin Tarantino is, is perfectly fine for that role that he's playing but there's always one bit where it, and it's when Mr. Wolf is hosing off um, Jules and Vince, where he goes, get get that little bit on Vince's yeah, yeah. hair. Yeah. That direct or you yeah. look like dorks. You guys look, you look- like dorks. <laughs> that was the bit that pulled me out. I was like, oh yeah, you, you wrote that and yeah. you just said it like that and it's- no one told you not to. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, how was that director? Oh, it was me. I loved it. <laughs> and I suppose that that is a slight... Um, slight I, I guess some might view that as a, de- a detraction it has uh, been it. well i mean it's mm. a common thing that but critics say that, yeah. it's his second movie so how many people in the audience would actually know until the credits rolled that mm. that was quentin tarantino not, not many at the time not many yeah knew it was him because yeah. i've watched lots of films where afterwards someone's been like oh did you notice such and such and i'm like mm. nope. uh, number one i didn't remember the director's name and also i don't recognize yeah. them on site so. it's i think this one is less egregious than his cameo in Django unchained where Brilliant he's, Australian. Where accent. he's Australian, <laughs> an Australian cowboy. Yeah. And it's... it's um, That's rough. I, it's pretty rough. I love that performance. Oh, I don't no, care no. what anyone I says. Lo- I love I it as well. I have so much enjoyment watching him <laughs> try and do an Aussie accent. No, I don't give a fuck. I just yeah. go for it, Quentin. Yeah. Like, no, no, I, give I, me your best shot. I was enjoying it I the whole it. time I saw it. Yeah. But 
it was definitely not a great performance. It's not. It's not. But it's so, I, I, I look forward to that bit. How long Not that, long, but, but five minutes. Yeah, long, long yeah. enough. Okay. Um, so but yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah. You want to get? I'm just like, fuck <laughs> yeah, man. Just go. Just do it. He's getting tits from John Jarrett. Apparently, it was mm. there. Oh man. But I look forward to his bit every time I watch that. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't really touched on too much at the moment is um, the quite lengthy section of this film that is Vincent's date with Mia Wallace. Mm. Um, obviously, Uma Thurman is, um, is, again, very good, very well cast in this. Um, that's the other bit of the film that I felt a little bit... Dragged on. Dragged a yeah. little bit, just that little bit longer. But again, I, I, I don't know if you felt this watching it first time, Anna, but that there was this um, underlying tension of, are they, are they, is he going to give well, her a foot massage? Because yeah. we've yeah. established this threat mm. of it felt like... like a trap the whole time. Yeah. Like the first time he mentioned it and he goes like, I know I'm having dinner with the boss's wife. I'm going to laugh at her shitty jokes and we'll be done. Um, from that moment, you're like, this is what? This mm. is a weird thing. It feels like an odd thing yeah. to, is that, for someone to ask. Do you feel ask. like it was getting, it was leading to that sort of thing? Like, are they, will they, or won't they kind of thing? That's interesting. Maybe not necessarily sexual, but just something would go wrong. And whether or not it was literally just an out-and-out trap, like yeah. Marcellus wanted to get rid of him for some reason and mm. was going to find like anything yeah, to pin on him. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know the relationship at that point. And I was just like... stories. Yeah, you, know, you heard that he Antoine. threw someone out a window for yeah, something that seems really massage. wild. So mm. maybe yeah. he was just he's just pinning random shit on his friends because he wants to get rid of them. Yeah. I didn't know. So... Um, but then secretly yeah. he's had he's got this heroin buying scene with his mate and him telling him how fucking madman this heroin is and mm. and you th- and you're thinking is this just banter is this just Quentin Tarantino banter cool movie scene stuff mm. but it does come back it, like yeah. it all comes yeah. back in and yeah it's the last thing you'd expect I would think that she would start she would OD on something yeah, just found it in his pocket. Yeah, and the evening almost seems over. The only thing you're worried about at that point is, yeah, it's sort of flipped around to being him, you know, mm. yeah. trying to resist temptation, although she doesn't really seem to be putting any signals out there that anything wasn't no, going to happen. He's, like he's mostly just there just being like, it's cool, man. <laughs> we're going to go out to the car. We're going to mm. jerk off. Yeah, we're going to go yeah, home. That's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's, um, it, it is interesting because, again, you get... You, I, I think because the particularly the story is being shown from vincent's perspective um mm. that i feel as though a lot of the way that we see mia is looking at it as going as though oh she might be possibly like you know open to to having an affair or something mm. like that but at the same time i sort of feel as though that the only reason we have that impression is because we're watching it from vincent's perspective i think there's a really interesting thing that um because we switch between these different characters and we see these slightly different perspectives on characters. I think that's part of the reason why um, people can be a bit cold towards Butch, because when we first see Butch, it's sort of almost from Vincent's perspective. He he has that one long shot where Marcellus Wallace is telling him to throw the fight, and then they have that little interaction at the bar yeah. where it's kind of like, you know he's a hard man, and Vince is just staring him down. But we've got all of this connection to Vince already because mm. we've just seen him go through the Kahuna Burger scene. Yeah. And we know he's been to Amsterdam, whereas this guy's just someone we know that's going to throw a fight. And I do wonder if that colours the fact that maybe Butch is maybe someone that we're not as sympathetic towards. There's, yeah, there's really logically no reason that when Vincent died, I was more upset about that and I was bummed mm. that it, basically that it wasn't Butch that died. Mm. Apart from um, him throwing a huge hissy at his girlfriend and throwing a TV yeah. around the room, which mm. is repulsive behavior. Apart yeah. from that, mm. he didn't 
murder well no he did murder someone before then he killed the guy in the fight but mm. that wasn't intentional he, yeah he didn't know he didn't no. know that that had happened mm. um so as far as we know he's never killed anyone before mm. and vincent has killed many people for money yeah. which is also reprehensible mm. but yeah the way but we, we got sort to of, know him well yeah we got to know him we got to meet him <laughs> he's funny he's, he's interesting he's, cool. he's been to amsterdam he yeah. knows some french that's right um, but with yeah, I guess with and that's the whole thing with um, Butch and Fabian. It's it's the reason why we're spending so much time with him is to I don't know, kind of get to know him and mm. you know see what really matters to him. That he's a you know he's a lover. He's very good at oral pleasure and he's a oral pleasure. <laughs> you know she's she is his world mm. over you know the watch. Mm. Yeah. And I, I and again, the, the watch is an interesting motivation, but but at the same time, that scene with Christopher Walken absolutely nails down why it's a motivation. So great. And again, what a what a what a performance of Christopher Walken! Yeah. It's like, just comes in for a day, you know. Yeah, like, has this great scene, great monologue. Mm. I have heard oh, people mention grandfathers putting things up their ass before and yeah. i was like what an interesting bit you just came up with yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing to say yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but again very captivating gives them that motivation i do have to agree the with the the hissy fit of the throwing the thing oh yeah it's, yeah it's, it's scary it just immediately you go oh i'm worried about this entire relationship yeah obviously it's his grandfather's watch yeah yeah you can well, be upset yeah i i it is a worry but i also think it's interesting that the way it's, I think part of the, again, this is probably a reason why people don't like Butch, is partly because he's someone that does not know how to, in a way, a bit like Vince, he just doesn't quite know when to do the smart thing. Like, going back for the watch is not smart. No. No, I just assumed he would, I mean, he did, he didn't die, sorry, but I yeah. assumed he would just die way sooner. Like, he'd be, he'd yeah. be but trailed like, or... Also, like, running over Marcellus Wallace... Just reverse. I think yeah. it's going to go into reverse. <laughs> like, I, I get the idea of like, oh, I can run away. My, I can run over my problem. But at the same time, like, people would probably know that maybe there's a chance they'd know that he, yeah. he killed Marcellus or something like that. People not thinking it through. Yeah, and, and again, th- that 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 instinct of that that rage and the throwing of the television, um, I thought was quite interesting because I think that plays into his carelessness. But I did also have that same feeling, and I think it's really interesting that he he has his like anger outburst and then sits down and goes, no, what I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. That was, that was really mm. intriguing. And obviously he goes to the car afterwards and then he's angry afterwards. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously that doesn't um, like excuse the behavior. And the fact is, is that Fabian is, is Feeling scared of very him. unsafe uh, um, because, yeah. because he's so physically strong. Like Bruce Willis is in shape. Like, yeah. Yeah. Look at this film. It's, it's like, like a real mm, boxer. Motherfucker yeah. Is ripped. Mm. yeah. He's, he's really, he looked like a boxer. He looked, like physically yeah. in fantastic shape. But then that plays into, oh my goodness, she's so small. He could like snap her. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose it's just one of those things that looking at it, you kind of go, he's, again, like a lot of the characters in these films, there isn't really anyone that you can root for, I guess, in an essence. Like you have moments where you root for them, like when he decides to go and save Marcellus's life from Zed. Mm. you're then rooting for him, I guess, in that scenario because there is, like, this greater evil that is happening. But I'm not sure that the whole way through you're going, yeah, do it, Butch, or, oh, I hope Vince gets his way or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's they're not entirely... 
sympathetic characters. There's very few characters where you're like, I, I really hope everything turns out well for them, I guess. Yeah, that would just be boring, though, wouldn't mm. it, for this sort of movie? I think it's just a great bit of entertainment with mm. all these, you know, ambiguous characters and it works so well for it, you know. Mm. Uh, Mr. Wolf. I root for Mr. Wolf. Yeah, right? yeah. Mr. <laughs> Wolf is maybe the if only anyone one. A real gentleman. Yeah. yeah. So polite and... <laughs> Oh, great. He's mm. one of my favourite characters. I always look forward. It's probably my favourite scene in the film is the That's, wolf Yeah, the Mr. Scene. Fix-It is such an yeah. alluring mm. character and he's been really so well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he literally is a deus ex machina, but it's it's so well performed yeah. that you don't care. I actually really yeah. love the call from um, Jules to Marcellus in whatever, I don't know, it looked like the hills of Hollywood or where mm, he was yeah. hanging out. Um, yeah, that that like exchange was really really fun yeah and when it resolved with mr wolf it was even better you said the wolf feel better and motherfuckers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all you have to say man <laughs> and, and again and again marcellus wallace like ving rames is so good in this film yeah. like just his delivery like that, that delivery of motherfucker when he yeah. sees butch in the car <laughs> he's holding his box of donuts or whatever it is there's a lot of incarnations of motherfucker in this movie and there's, they're all I mean, great th- it's a very commonly used word and yeah. that's actually mm. the swearing I think is kind of an interesting thing because I think there are films where people swear a lot or even TV shows where people swear a lot and I kind of sit there and go I'm not enjoying this but there is something about the way the language is used in this film where it feels right. Yeah. The, the way you said that mm. Jules's speech was almost rhythmic um, yeah. at points and things like that, where where there's almost a, a pattern and like almost like a poetry to it. Um, I think is absolutely true, and I think the way that they use, particularly motherfucker, as you say, um, is it's just really clever. It feels right. It feels like it belongs mm. in that part of the world. Yeah, it's talent in the writing. I mean, that's the tough thing to do. I mean, look, this movie, like a lot of movies, were criticised at the time, like anything, for being too sweary and violent and mm. whatever. So it was always going to cop all that sort of stuff. Mm. But, you know, years later, you can just watch it and it's pretty, you know, it's quite tame considered to what's considered well, what, what's accepted as pretty normal on a TV show now. Yeah. Although like Deadwood I, or something. I think the use of racial epithets is quite interesting. So the yeah. N word is used a lot. Mm. Um, and it's used indiscriminately by black and white, and white characters. People, yeah. um, and Written by a white person. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting how that's used because I don't necessarily think if Pulp Fiction were made today that 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 the M word would be used no. as freely, particularly by white characters. Mm. Spike Lee, the writer director Spike Lee, has mm. famously been outspoken against Tarantino, specifically for the use of that word in mm. his scripts and in calling him out on it, basically. Yeah. And then you got Tarantino saying, "Well, look, this is just—it's my characters that are saying this. It's mm. not me. I'm not—you know—this is how they talk." Mm. And Samuel L. Jackson is you know, come out to defend him as well, you know, and he's been in Spike Lee movies and they, yeah. they are friends, but, yeah. you know, he's defended Tarantino. I mean, how, yeah. how, did you, how did you feel watching it, Anna, as our first-time viewer? Like, the, the use of... Because it, it wasn't just the M-word, that was the most common one, but, mm. you know, there was, like, when Christopher Walken's character uses uh, gooks when, yeah, and, and there things was, like that. Yeah, even you some that I wasn't and aware like, of, frankly, for yeah. people of Asian descent. And it was like, oh... Okay. Yeah, and Tim Roth used Tim the Roth word. The start, yeah. Tim Roth used the word wetback, which I've not heard for a long time. Yeah, yeah. That's that, old school. Though. I was like, wow, that's okay. Like, how how did those um, terms? I, I, did did they register as being off, or did they feel appropriate? I feel like it's such a time and a place away from my own like understanding of 
the terms that people use like mm. if you think of the sort of australian um <laughs> names that we call each other they're mm. pretty different and it's so hard to judge what um yeah like we, we know those things are offensive mm. but then in a period of time people can just be throwing that stuff around all mm. the time and it's sort of diluted to a certain extent yeah um as like i think as a mod- modern audience it is like oh fairly uncomfortable like you know like oh great he said that that makes me feel so sympathetic towards him mm. like that immediately puts up a barrier of going like okay so he's like a shitty person he kills people for money but he also uses like yeah racial terms that are pretty unpleasant mm. um i mean so i don't think that yeah. as useful maybe mm. like to build character now in a way that I think it just shuts people down more mm. than gives them like a more a better understanding of the character, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like to me, it more just goes, oh, this mm. person's, you know, uh, unpleasant. Yeah. Whereas like they could say lots of other things would make me more like aware of their unpleasantness without mm. just shutting me down and going like, oh, well, I can't sympathize with them because they're racist. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think the use of the language is... Um it could definitely be argued by, and I'm sure it has been by Quentin Tarantino, that it is the language of these worlds, of these criminal yeah. underbellies. And a lot of those gangs as well are divided by race. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, they're your hated enemy yeah. and they're also mostly of like one race group. So, of mm. course, you're going to come up with everything in the book to throw at them. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you? But I also think it's interesting that a lot of the time, particularly the N-word, is not used um, to vilify or to attack. It's descriptive. It's descriptive. Mm. Now, it's still... Um, something that I, I don't think is uh, well it's not polite and it's not the done thing to go oh that n-word over there um, and I think I, I just think it was really interesting to see it used so conversationally when, like when Quentin Tarantino's character uses it it's yeah. descriptive of a person's body who's in the garage and mm. he's really angry about it so okay yeah but you don't obviously <laughs> Jules in that situation is trying to keep everything chill and he's gone over that a bunch um with Vincent be like we need to like don't use the hand towels you gotta be polite <laughs> like yeah this is not a good situation we just gotta be chill but yeah the, the guy uses the n-word a lot to describe a dead person they didn't mean mm. to kill um that everyone's all pretty pissed about and there's no reaction to that seemingly from Hmm. um jules's character it's just like oh yeah cool no worries and that sort of read a bit confusing to me because from my perspective if someone does that in a movie usually there's like a moment where it goes um okay well everyone calm down you know and there wasn't that which was a little confusing but as you say jules was trying to placate jimmy and it yeah, could be yeah. that Jules is going, I'm an adult. He's using those words, but it doesn't matter. The He's bigger upset. issue... His wife is coming home. ...is the body <laughs> yeah. in the car. We've got a Bonnie situation happening and we need to sort it out. I, I just think it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, uh, particularly because, I guess, the mid-90s doesn't feel that long ago, but it clearly no, is. It, it is. And it I really think there is, is there is a real change in how we present. Like, the fact that Tim Roth keeps calling it, is that a cellular phone? Yeah. <laughs> is <laughs> is so of its time. Yeah. There's certain little aspects like that which do feel very right we're in the early to mid five dollar shake yeah know, five, i mean that's uh, that's a bargain yeah man. that's great and, and <laughs> be vince being like good. yeah vince being like it better be brilliant i don't know if it's worth five dollars bourbon in it oh, mate. <laughs> and speaking of that scene uh steve buscemi is buddy holly hey. for a moment yeah but like doing a little favor uh, every time i say it i'm always surprised that it's him yeah <laughs> like wow he's not being Steve Buscemi, that's really yeah. interesting. But he's still got a little bit of sass to mm. him. He's like, they don't put bourbon in nothing. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, just checking. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, he had a, you know he had the lead in pretty much well in Reservoir Dogs, you know, and then it's just nice that you know 
Tarantino can just get his mate to come around and do, you know, mm. half a day and, you know. Yeah. Uh, and again, make with, it memorable. With Harvey Keitel um, oh. as, as Mr. Wolf. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's it's, why he wrote himself into the script so he could act with Harvey Keitel. <laughs> he just wanted on to spend He's a few days with his buddy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, why not? That's, why not? Yeah. That's what I was, Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a standout moment of. I guess dialogue from this film given that we have talked about dialogue a lot um i'll ask you first luke because you've had longer to consider this um is there a particular line or conversation or something of that nature that just stands out for you as being this is quintessentially pulp fiction well i guess there's two there's like the showy one for me which is like the cleaning of the car and just the back and forth between uh jules and vince Mm. and and Vince is like, oh, there is a threshold for abuse that I'll take. And he's like, what the fuck? You know, every time my fingers touch brain, I'm the guns of the Navarone. I'm a motherfucker. Motherfucker in the backseat. Like all that. Yeah. Just back and forth. It, uh, it's just, I always look forward to that because it's just a, such a fun m- moment yeah, in the picture. That it doesn't need to be there at all, but it's hilarious. And I always remember loving it on video because the first time I saw this movie was on TV. Mm you know, when I was maybe 12 or something and mm. it was on TV and it was edited to all <laughs> fuck, like to the point where, you know, they were physically zooming in on the widescreen mm. image and cutting between the two frames so they could hide when they were cutting out swear words and mm. things like that. And I remember that scene just completely being cut out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. like, it wasn't even there because how are they going to even, it's one shot, mm. them talking. And so, yeah, that was that was always a special one for me. And I, re- I do really like the, you know, I wish I was the shepherd, you know, that whole kind of yeah, climax I, actually, scene in the end. Rewatching this, um, again, for the first time in a while for me, that is a scene that I had forgotten had so much weight to it. And like yeah. you can see Jules is has been wrestling with this question over his muffin. Uh, he's been yeah. wrestling <laughs> with this question, but that he has found this goal and that he wants to be the shepherd. He well, you were asking, is it is it a... A climax that uh, yeah. is satisfying, and I'd, I'd say it is. I, sure. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think it is. It, it's powerful, and I think yeah. that's such a, a such an interesting choice and very different. That and ultimately, I think what this film is is it is about these two men who are walking this path, and one chooses to change direction, and presumably doesn't end up getting shot in the shitter by Bruce Willis, whereas the other one does. Um, I think it's kind of interesting um, seeing that diversion. Uh, what about yourself, Anna? Is there a bit of dialogue from this that you're watching where you were like, oh, that's that's Crackerjack? Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be less like exciting than, than both the ones you guys chose now. But the scene where Mia and Vincent are at the Slim Jim's... Jack Rabbit Slims. Yeah, 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 close enough. Um, and they're in the car and... Up to that point, obviously he's, he he got high on heroin before he went out on this thing. So yeah. he's a bit out of it when he come in and it's funny and he can't find the intercom and all that stuff. But by the time they get there, they both seem to be both high, but like very middling. They're having like mm. normal conversations, but it's kind of awkward because it's the boss situation mm. and his boss's wife. Um, but when he starts to bring up what happened with the other person who gets thrown out the window, mm. I just thought that felt so, it was such an interestingly genuine thing of being like, Okay, I don't want to, it's awkward. I don't want to say it. Yeah. But then he, it's, 
I just, I've, I, it just felt so real of a person bringing up something mm. that they feel fairly strongly about to someone in a position of sort of authority above them. Mm. Um, and then just them sort of talking about that. I just really enjoyed it. It um, is it is a really great bit of conversation because she's mm. like, and I you like, believe that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like her initial reaction to the question as well. Before he asks it, he's like, don't be I don't want to offend you. And yeah. she's like, ooh, this is better <laughs> than the usual. Exciting. You know, Marcellus usually sends me, sends me goons along to take me out who are not interesting at all. And you're the first one that's actually, mm. you know, piqued my interest. But yeah. the fact that, yeah, he would even say anything like that to her is, is mm. kind of really intense. It's bold as well yeah. in that gangster world. You think you mm. don't talk about any crime at all, especially with the boss's wife. You but know? you know that Vince is quite bold you know he's he's the one that says to mr wolf like i'm not shy a please would be nice like that kind of thing um and ultimately you know again he's 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 icarus he's just flying that little bit too close to the sun again bruce willis shitter gun that's just yeah you know that's ultimately why why are you going why are you going with shitter now well you know you know marcellus is off buying your breakfast and you Mm -hmm. don't have anyone covering your ass but yeah i I love that little detail that Mm -hmm. the fact that because jules has gone now to walk the earth that marcellus has to be you know they have to do that job together the butch yeah. job and also that paul was there from the bar the guy yeah. who's just serving the drinks is now like suited up and there yeah. and going like all right it's what's been going promoted, on you know yeah he's been <laughs> yeah. he's been dragged in which is nice uh, for me though the, the bit of dialogue always stands out from this film is just after um butch has rescued marcellus wallace and he shot zed and zed's lying on the floor and he's like are you okay and it's just no man, <laughs> I'm pretty far from okay. <laughs> just the way that whole interaction, because they don't really cut away, and it's just yeah, Bruce Willis. Wide shot, yeah. part, partly because he's further behind him, yeah. but it's um, he looks like a small child. He just, does. Yeah, he's like sort of slightly hunched over, holding his sword. Like, are we all, yeah. are we all right? Now? Yeah. No, no, I meant between you and yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> there is what no now? you and I. <laughs> and just just how still Ving Rhames is, yeah. and he's like, I'm gonna call up some pipe hitting so-and-sos yeah. to come and like deal with this guy yeah. um yeah just just that whole delivery of stuff that kind of like it's not even that it's barely contained it's like controlled rage yeah controlled it's, fury. it's like this is a man who is used to being cross yeah. um and mm. he is about to channel it all on zed yeah regardless I, of what just happened to him he is yeah. looking forward to the next few hours yeah like he's relishing in it yeah and again I kind of liked it. Not yeah. a sympathetic character. It's no. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Oh, I'm loving that he got. You, you feel know, sympathy for him at that oh, moment, yeah. though. You're just like, oh yeah, this is. I mean, someone that powerful experiencing anything like that, the yeah. hellfire is going to rain down on yeah. you, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, ego shattered. Um, would you guys like some trivia about Pulp Fiction? Oh yes, please. All right, this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so uh, you know it should be accurate, mostly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, according to an interview with Phil Lamar, who played Marvin, um, it was John Travolta who came up with the idea of Marvin being shot in the face. Uh, Marvin was originally supposed to be accidentally shot in the throat and die a slow, painful death. Mm-hmm. Vince and Jules decide that Marvin should be shot in the head and put out his misery. Knowing that uh, this would make the characters unlikable, Travolta took this idea to Tarantino and he agreed to it, figuring a single bullet kill would be funnier. Uh, legend has it that Lamar was the one who came up with the idea, but he has subsequently denied this on a podcast. Uh, interview. Yeah. I was there too. The series, oh, I should say. Yeah. But um, great show that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the fact that it was an accidental bumble headshot uh, is like you must have gone over a speed bump. I didn't go over yeah, a speed bump. Yeah. On the fucking bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, something bad happened every time Vincent went to the bathroom. Uh, Mia overdosed. The restaurant got robbed, and Butch turning up and putting in the pop tarts, oh, and then shooting him. He's cursed. He's got a cursed yeah. bowel. Yes. <laughs> 
Very irritable bounce syndrome. <laughs> the shot of Vincent plunging the syringe into Mia's chest was filmed by having John Travolta pull the needle out and then running the film yeah. backwards. Uh, so if you watch carefully, you can see the mark on her chest disappear when she's revived. Huh. Mm. Mm, yeah. And again, great little scene of tension where it's kind of like, um, you know, it's like, I, you know, administer the adrenaline. I've never done it before. I've never done it before either. You do it. Yeah. You do it. You, you know, when you I turn up again. The stabbing motion. I've got to stab her three times. No, you don't got to stab her fucking three times. <laughs> stab her once. once. Yeah. But make sure, you, yeah, it's, it's so good. Eric Stoltz is, is great. Oh, he's so good yeah. in that role. Again, just a little bit part, but yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, the movie only cost $8 million to make. This was a cheap film. The initial budget was reportedly even lower until Bruce Willis was added to the cast. Uh, He'd had a recent string of domestic flops, but was still a box office drawer overseas. Uh, $5 million went to pay the actors' and actresses' salaries. The film was already profitable when its worldwide rights were sold for $11 million. And it went on to gross over $200 million at the box office. That's a winner. Um, it is probably a good point to bring up the fact that the uh, producer of this film was Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Um, the Weinstein brothers, Miramax. Yeah. Miramax. Yeah. Uh, this was the first film that they produced um, of Tarantino, and they were yeah. a long-time producer. And there was a really interesting moment where when we were watching that opening title credit with the, with the wonderful music, mm. and you see, produced by... Weinstein Brothers, and there was a, it was a very audible boo from um, <laughs> from some people in the room. Yes. Some groans. But then followed almost immediately by a cheer because Danny DeVito was an executive yeah. producer. Yes, yeah, so good man, Danny DeVito. Yeah. The 1964 Chevelle Malibu convertible driven by Vince Vega belonged to Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Wow. And yeah, it was I've stolen during production. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Uh, but it was then subsequently found in 2013. A police Holy officer shit. saw two kids stripping an older car. He arrested them, and whilst looking up the owner of the vehicle, he found the vehicle ID number had been altered, and it turned out it was Tarantino's stolen car. All the owner, this time. Yeah, the owner who'd recently purchased it had no idea it was a stolen car. Wow. It turned out it was Quinton's. What a mystery. That's mm. insane. All right. Uh, how many times do you think the word "fuck" was used in this uh, oh. podcast? Uh, sorry, in this film, or in all its iterations? It's, yeah. yeah, it's just how many times the word "fuck" was used in this film? Fifty. You going with fifty? What about you? I I think I'm pretty sure I've read this before, but I'm I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to say it's probably actually in the like the two hundreds. We're going to have to give it to Luke. It was 265 oh times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. That's all those little ones that a... just slip on yeah, by that you don't even yeah. notice. That's, I think that's almost two a minute. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. That's insane. Mm. Yeah, it's up there with Big Lebowski. Yeah. Speaking of which, there were times watching this film where I kept thinking mm. of the Big Lebowski. Just that Coen Brothers tone or that well, movie specifically? I think specifically all the stuff with Mia Wallace, with it being the wife of this big, powerful man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that kind of connection. Also, Eric Stoltz looked like Jeff Bridges <laughs> with yeah. the long hair and the, the yes, pajamas. Exactly. Um, there was a bit of a Coen Brothers feel. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because recently we reviewed Burn After Reading on this um, podcast. So watching this not long after that, it really feels that Burn After Reading took a lot of notes from the tone that was set in yeah and vice versa i think just in the coen brothers work in general you know they've got very similar tones and you know rhythmic writing styles and Mm. surprising moments that you don't see coming you Mm. know um yeah very similar 
Mr. Blonde, aka Vic Vega, uh, played by Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs, is the brother of Vince Vega. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's got a brother in another Tarantino film. They were going to make a movie about them. Like, mm. that was in on the cards, apparently. Like, Tarantino was, you know, there was talk about the, the Vega Brothers movie mm. and they would get them together and yeah. um, have some, you know, caper, whatever, even if it wasn't Tarantino directing it. But that was talked about, mm. apparently, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been fun. Yeah. Could have, oh, yeah, maybe. Bit, bit kind of... Sell outy for Tarantino in a way. I maybe. mean, you know, like maybe. he doesn't. I know he has kind of repeat characters, sort of sometimes. Mm. Actually, maybe never. Actually, another thing about it, but mm. just repeat actors, really. Yeah, right? mainly repeat actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote the role of Jules specifically for Samuel L. Jackson, uh, but it almost ended up being given to Paul Calderon, uh, who gave a great audition. When Jackson heard this, he flew to LA and auditioned again to secure the role. Uh, <laughs> Damn, motherfucker, I can't get, get my, down LA. My territory. <laughs> yeah. uh, Calderon ended up with a smaller role in the film. He's Paul the Barman. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Which yeah. I think is funny that he then ends up essentially taking Jules's spot yeah. in the yeah. film. And he retires. <clears throat> Quentin Tarantino hesitated over the choice between the character he was going to play, whether it was Jimmy or Lance, the drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, he ended up choosing Jimmy's role because he wanted to be behind the camera for the Mia overdose scene. Which good call. Yeah, yeah fair enough. probably a good call. Yeah. And again, that scene probably stands out as being maybe slightly better shot than the um, the one where he's directing them to like wash themselves. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> directing on camera, in character. Bunch of dorks. Yeah. <laughs> Jules was originally written to have a gigantic afro. But a crew member obtained a variety of Afro wigs and one Jerry Curl wig. Tarantino had never thought about giving him a Jerry Curl haircut. And when Samuel L. Jackson tried it on, Tarantino liked it. So that's why he has a Jerry Curl. Yeah. The idea was to go for like a big, badass Afro. Yeah. 70s star. Yeah. I mean, that that would be quite a cool, like, contrast to silhouette with him and Vincent, to be fair. Mm. Like the long, dark hair and the alleged silhouette. But he looks great in this film. He does. Yeah. Great facial hair too. What yeah, yeah, the way it kind of curls round and yeah, yeah it's just he's an interesting man. That Jules is. <laughs> you want to see more? Yeah, tells a story with his face. Mm. Uh, Jules flipping the table over at the beginning of the uh, scene with Brett. You know the you know does Marcel as well as look like a bitch? Mm-hmm. That scene uh, that was improvised, um, oh, and Frank Wally's reaction was genuine. But they still continued the scene. Oh, I want to rewatch it now. That scene is all one take as well. So, so cool. they've just obviously multi-camera set up, all recorded in one take, yeah. and it's... That's tough to do. It's spectacular. Yeah, it's mm. such, so a, such a stunning scene. Yeah. Uh, the passage from the Bible that Jules has memorised was mostly made up by Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson. The first bit about the righteous man and the tyr- tyranny of evil is not real. But the second half, the, and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger, and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee! It's a direct quote uh, from Ezekiel 25:17. It's likely that Tarantino included it as a reference to the uh, Sonny Chiba film Karate Kiba from 1976, as the quote is almost word for word from the opening scene of that film. And Tarantino is also a big fan of, of that oh, actor. Yeah. So. Cute. Great, great line, though. Yeah. yeah great. Hmm. Uh, Mickey Rourke could have played Butch Coolridge. He could have too. And I feel like he kind of did that with The Wrestler a few years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he claimed that he didn't understand the script and turned it down and obviously regretted that decision later. Oh, definitely. That's mm. a rough and then he reason tried to, to be a reject boxer in real too. life. Mm. Yeah. Um, of all the actors in this film, I feel like um, he was the one I knew least was in it. 
Bruce Willis. Yeah, sorry, yeah, mm. Bruce Willis. I just surprise. I everyone else was like, okay, Uma Thurman's in it. I've seen like a few different things, mm. but for him to be such a pivotal character, that I was like, <laughs> no clue that he was in this film. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe just speaks to his maybe I guess unpopularity as a character. Possibly. I don't know. Mm. I mean, he's more. He's more. I guess. Or I less interesting. Perhaps. More realistic. Yeah, he's, less like of an interesting caricature. Or has less, yeah. I guess, interesting lines. So yeah, kind of closer to your more sort of every person character than yeah, anyone else in this boxing film. Boxing scam artists. Yeah, <laughs> accidentally killing people. <laughs> yeah. The project was originally set up at TriStar Pictures through their production deal with Jersey Films. Upon reading the screenplay, TriStar head Mike Medavoy, that's not how you say his name, but that's how I'm saying it, uh, <laughs> called it too demented, citing discomfort with the film's violence and drug use, and put the script into turnaround. When every other studio passed it up, executive producer Danny DeVito sent the script to Harvey Weinstein. Shortly thereafter, this became one of Miramax's first acquisitions after Disney purchased the studio. Ever since then, Weinstein was involved with Tarantino's directorial endeavours until recently. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how it happened. So, yeah, yeah Danny DeVito so basically... what Danny's doing. Well, Danny's do- yeah, it was Danny's yeah. idea to go, hey, this Pulp Fiction thing seems like it's fun, <laughs> but I'm busy getting ready to make Matilda. Here, Harvey, yeah. have this. Yeah. Um, although the idea of uh, Danny DeVito directed... <laughs> Um, Pulp Fiction would be would be very different. Yeah, he'd have to play one of the main characters in the oh, film, like he Matilda. He'd be Marcellus Wallace. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Except no, he I would... think Vincent perfect with that hair and the sideburns. <laughs> Luscious. Yeah, you see him doing heroin before going on the date. <laughs> hey, Mia, <laughs> we're going in. <laughs> and then win the dance competition. <laughs> yeah. Just doing the twist. Yes. <laughs> hey, look at me dance. He's about waist height too. <laughs> You know, I could picture him as young Butch in the Christopher Walken scene. Yeah, just, oh, just sitting yeah. there bored. No lines. Hand. Just looking up with his hand in his head. Yeah. He could totally do that. I could see that. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn. Uh, no, I think Marcellus Wallace. Except he'd obviously go under the car instead of going over yeah. it because of the height difference. And then just him yeah, limping true. down the street just trying just... to shoot him. <laughs> wow. You feel better, motherfucker. <laughs> That was perfect. And again, that, that, that whole chase sequence, we didn't actually touch on. Uh, the injured Bruce Willis running away from injured Ving Rhames. Yeah, yeah just stumbling around. Hilarious. So funny. Still ten- tense, but yeah. hilarious. The group of people who gather around um, Marcellus's, you know, wrecked yeah. body and try and help him up. Oh, and then as dead. soon as they see him, it has a gun, just the, like the fantastic. Fuck, <laughs> yeah, like, oh God, again, yeah. all right. <laughs> We know what to do. That yeah. one person who gets shot. Oh yeah, the, woman in the hip, gets... the one of the weirdest yeah, <laughs> gunshot wounds side. I've ever seen. Yeah, right but, on the hip. You know, that's, that's, that's how gun violence works. That's you're it. More Random. likely to get yeah. nicked on the edges in a situation like that. Yeah, man. I almost feel as though this film suggests that America might have a problem with guns mm. occasionally. Does you know, suggest it. It does feel as though it's maybe approaching. Look, that there's here. a lot yeah. of people in this film, mm. and most of them don't get shot. True. So really? The guns are fine. Yeah, it's and in fine. fact, we saw that guy jump out the bathroom. He shot six <laughs> times and didn't hit him. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fine. It's true. So, like, part of the time, it doesn't even matter if someone shoots at you. And then the rest of the time, you're not even full of bullet holes. Yeah. And those other people, it's just like an anomaly. So yeah. Cool. Speaking of the guy in the bathroom, that he's one of the Arquettes, okay? As in, there's David Arquette and oh, really? Rosanna yeah. Arquette. And he's another brother who, since that film... 
uh, got a sex change and became... Oh, Alexi Arquette. Alexi Arquette, oh. who has since passed away. But yeah, oh. that's uh, wow. that's the guy in the bathroom with the gun. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Yet more trivia. Uh, all right, guys, we have to score this film. We've got to give this film a score out of 10. And uh, you get to go first, Anna, because oh, it was your first time so watching much. the film. What would you give Pulp Fiction out of 10? I don't see any reason not to give it a nine. I really enjoyed it. I think it's fantastic. I don't know how soon I'd rewatch it, mm. but it was great. And I'm glad I watched it. All right. And um, what about yourself, Luke? Uh, what, what's Pulp Fiction getting for you? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a nine and a half gourmet cups of coffee out of 10. <laughs> mm. And I know that might seem high for me, um, mm. but I, it's, it's a seminal movie in, yeah. in history of film, uh, in history of my film watching, mm. you know, growing up. And I always find it entertaining. And yeah, maybe a couple of things do drag now because you know where it's going. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe that's the only reason why it doesn't get a 10 out of 10. But I'll always hold this movie in my heart dearly. Mm. So yeah, nine and a half. Out of ten, gourmet cups of coffee. Mm. Not that store-bought shit that Bunny gets. No, that freeze-dried <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. For me, it's um, it's it's a very very it is a very special film. Uh, like you, you can't not acknowledge the role that it's had, not just in other film culture, but in lots of other media. So much of I think things like the Grand Theft Auto video game series and the way they yeah. depict American criminal life, I think, comes from films like this and Reservoir Dogs, and it's clearly had a massive effect. Um, and it is a it is a very important special film. Doesn't quite again stand up to how I remember it the first time I watched it, but that first time experience I think is pretty special. Mm. Um, it is a, it is a very special film and definitely worth watching. So I'm going to give it eight and a half unlucky Vince shits out of ten because oh, poor Vince. Every time he goes, every time he goes to the bathroom, yeah. you know, he's I'm going to take a shit. You know, everyone should just buckle up because yeah. something's going down. <laughs> Vibs, yeah, very irritable. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Luke and Anna. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Hey, we have Facebook. That wasn't in Pulp Fiction. Oh well. Uh, but yes, we have a Facebook. You can find us by just searching for the Cinema Catch Up Club on Facebook. Give us a like, and you'll see all of our various updates and bits and pieces. And you can let us know things that you liked or not. What did you think of um, Esmeralda the taxi driver? You know, she she was great. What do we think about her? Uh, yeah, she was good. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing didn't get a... Just realised. She obsessed yeah. with manslaughter. She was obsessed with death. Yeah. Yeah. Great character. Great if character. you If you like that, hey, leave, leave us a message. Great handle. Yeah. Um, we are also on Patreon. Uh, you can find us over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. Uh, become an official member of the Patreon and you can get lots of lovely bonus features here and there. And make sure that you're subscribed to us so you get an episode each and every week. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify and all sorts of other places where there's uh, downloadable podcast media. So just join in there. Give us a like. So, you know, see... see one of the other 130-odd episodes of this thing that exist. There's probably wow. a film you like in there. Congratulations. Uh, inclu- including Reservoir Dogs. We did yeah. that one back in the first year. So you can go back and see what we thought of Harvey Keitel then. Uh, but that is all for this week. So until next time. Whose podcast is this? Uh, this is Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. 
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.